The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of 21 Questions, the question and answer podcast for the Kansas City Sports Network. My name is Craig Stout. I am joined by, we're doing a little cross promotion here, cross KCSN promotion from the Royals Farm Report, Josh Kaiser. Josh, my friend, how are you doing today? I am ecstatic. I, I could not be happier to join you tonight, Craig. This has been, uh, we've kind of known each other for a couple of years here outside of Kansas CSN, so to be on board and on the on the rocket ship and the stock price, you know, emoji running up, I mean, it's just I love it. I love it all. So I appreciate you having me here. Yeah. Did did BJ offer you guys shares? Like he sure did. Like, yeah. We're, okay. We're actually, good. 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 Okay. Yeah, about a forty nine percent control. It was okay. You know, great. So he offered everybody but me shares. That's good yeah. to know. I'm I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. No, we're contract killers. We're here. We're here to yeah. uh, be a mercenary for Royals content, and we love it. Love we it. Absolutely love I, it. I, we we love being able to add the Royals content. You guys brought great stuff to this we got some royals questions in here today but yeah. a lot of chiefs questions obviously because of the draft but you are a chiefs fan as well so this is not going to be a difficult path for you to traverse either all of these questions have come from the kcsn discord so if you want to ask a question and you are not in the discord either become a subscriber and click on that link down there and get in or if you're already a subscri subscriber, go back to your welcome email and click that link and get in there. You'll be able to answer questions or ask questions and we will answer them. We're going to start with Zach the Layman's Insider. What's the Chiefs game plan after drafting the modern day equivalent of Bobby Boucher referring to George <laughs> Karloftis? The man loves water. Did you did you see all of that? His his favorite drink is water. And he and he's a swimmer and all of that. Like, yep. I mean, just general thoughts. You know, they've heard my general thoughts on George Karloftis. What did you think about George Karloftis' Chiefs landing I mean, they, at pick thirty? They talked about his body as a tipple uh, diet, <laughs> and uh, yeah. that totally adds up. If water is his favorite drink, if he wasn't like body as a tipple guy, I'd be a little bit hesitant about him. I don't know if I could <laughs> trust that guy in general. But uh, in an athlete, I think it's probably the right way to go. But uh, Karloftis, I'm into it. I know you guys are kind of two out of three. It didn't seem like Maddie was super into it. But uh, uh, I, I mean, the edge, the edge uh, pool that they were drawing from at number 30 there. I mean, it kind of it is what it is. I like the uh, I like the at least the floor, what Karloftis brings, plus his age. I, I mean, he mm -hmm. coming back to his age is like that's a huge perk in and of itself because his rookie deal is going to be just about done around the same time that Jermaine Johnson is now, like you guys yeah. talked about. So that, yeah. that was very appealing to me, but yeah, we'll, we're going to talk about his Chipotle order later on, I hope. And uh, we, we uh, are, got yeah. some thoughts about that too. <laughs> now I do love that Brett Veach drafted a player that he's willing to give a contract to a second yep. contract to, we see this all the time. Brett Veach does not invest in older players unless they are superstars obviously he was going to invest in Tyree Kill he's invested in, in Travis Kelsey like those sorts of players get the contracts if George Karloftis has a good rookie contract not a phenomenal one he's getting a second contract from Brett Veach and so I think you feel pretty confident you know 
drafting a younger player from that regard. So, yeah. what's up, Doc? Asks, did Trent McDuffie ever go against Drake London? And with Drake's size and 50-50 ability compared to McDuffie's T-Rex arms, how did he fare? He did not go up against Drake London. As a matter of fact, he only played USC in 2019. They did not play during the COVID-shortened year. They did not play against each other last year. So he did not go up against some of those superstar you know, wide receivers, those big ones. He did see Michael Pittman in 2019. He led his team in tackles. Actually played pretty well. There was not much passing going on from USC in that game. We have seen a little bit of bigger bodies in some other games get him, but overall not as much as you might think for a guy that is of a little bit shorter stature. Yeah, That's a great question. All right. though. I, I was always wondering about that too. Like how, yeah, uh, how yeah. I mean, it that? makes sense. Like you yeah. see these guys come out in the draft, you're like, "Oh, that's a Pac-12." Like they surely they matched up against each other. Apparently, you know, the Pac-12 does not play everybody in the conference, and we hmm. get used to that in Big 12 country with all these <laughs> the other right. teams playing each other. It's like, yeah, no, of course they played. They probably played each other twice, but yep. nope, <laughs> not last year. Grayson Jespers, how many CBs? And running backs, do the Chiefs roster this year on week one? Josh, what is your prediction for how many corners and running backs they roster in week one? Um, I, I got four running backs. I feel like that's a pretty common number for them. I got it as uh, Clyde edwards Lair, Rojo, Gore, and Pacheco. Uh, so there's other names out there I'd be interested in, but I feel like those four are the four that they're kind of running out at least right now and could be potentially on week one too. CBs, I got six maybe. I mean, that might be a little bit lower, but uh, Sneed, McDuffie, Fenton, Johnson, Baker, and Williams is who I've got for that. But we'll see about Joshua Williams, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think that that's a, I think that's a good group. I, th- I actually like that group a lot. I Obviously, people are going to throw Michael Burton in there. You know, he mm-hmm. kind of sort of counts as that fifth, fifth <laughs> running back. I I think they might actually go. Oh man, I think there's a chance, and I like Derek Gore, but I think there's a chance that either Derek Gore or Ronald Jones don't make this roster if they fall yep. in love with a corner. And I like if they decide I like those numbers, but if they decide they want to add a seventh corner. Mm-hmm. I think that they might go a little lighter at running back. Pacheco's got to show up though. Like you got to yep. expect Pacheco to be the guy day one. I know we all loved him. We love his IQ. We love his pass blocking. They need pass blockers. I just think that there's a lot of same between mm. Ronald Johnson and Derek Gore. So I can see one of them beating the other one out. If you want to tell me one over the other, sure, I'm on board. Sure. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going to fight too hard for either one of those guys. And I guess yeah. that doesn't include Burton in that group as well. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't include Burton in that group, but he'll make it. Like they're yeah, going I think the so. back. <laughs> Especially they with will. this seems like where they're trending as an offense. It seems like Burton is long for this roster. Absolutely. I mean, hell, they you know, they've been talking to him this week. I, you know, our pals over at Chiefs Wire have interviews with him this week. So I, I think the man's sticking around. Mm-hmm. Lay Tony 44. We all know that this draft was elite. But do you worry about only one pick invested in the defensive line? Josh, I, w- I want to hear your thoughts on this first because we've we've kind of opined a little bit on that on the lab lately. Yeah, um, I think short term this year, I'm not super worried about it. And it kind of depending on what happens with Melvin Ingram. I love the fact that they slapped him with that uh, weird, I guess, a tag or whatever. <laughs> the you tag call that it. nobody would heard about before this summer. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's like a bookmark. Be like, don't touch this guy. Dibs, beer nuts, whatever you want to call it. We get, yeah. We're going to talk to this guy last, and that's going to be understood. So I'm kind of fine going in there with an offensive line of Karloftis, Nadi, Jones, Clark, Ingram, and then Dana is kind of like their main rotation. Uh, feel like they could mix and match a little bit on that too. So I'm okay with that, what it is, especially with that linebacker core and whatever's – this secondary is a whole other monster at this point. So it kind of just depending on what happens to Ingram short term, I'm fine with it. I am a little worried long-term, though. I still think I want that bendy edge. It seems like Karloftis is more like the new Frank Clark. Once Frank Clark inevitably probably moves on next year, yeah. it yeah. seems like that's kind of the set-the-edge, uh, bull rush, 
make sure that you're in his lap before anything. And then the bendy edge is going to win on the outside type of thing. So I would like to see what the plan is for that. Maybe that's Ingram on a two-year deal. Um, but just seeing what kind of plan there is after that is, is kind of where my big worry lies. Yeah. I I'm, I'm expecting that people are yelling at their listening devices or watching devices that don't forget about Josh Kane. No, we're not. Yep. We just, I just want to, I just want to see a li- little bit more out of yep. him. You know, he, he is the wild card this year. Like if yes. all of a sudden Kane comes on strong, not only am I comfortable with the defensive line, I'm comfortable with the depth this year as yep. well. I think, I think D E two and three. Well, if Ingram's here, D E three and four, Make me a little shaky if those guys mm-hmm. have to play due to injury at any point in time. But if Kando starts to come on, all of a sudden you, get, you can get a little bit scary. And maybe you can rely on those guys a little more. I do think that they are making significant investments in the defensive line next year, though. I, I Unquestionably, they're, they're spending assets along the defensive line next year. I know you guys talked about it. I think it was today's episode talking about the overcorrection mm-hmm. probably is turns to that defensive line uh, next year and it just seems like <laughs> last year O line <laughs> secondary this time, and you could probably throw in wide receiver core in there too. A little bit, That's yeah. Overcorrection rebuilds. I'm, <laughs> I just love watching the in middle linebacker over the last two seasons. It just seems like the whole overhaul thing, overcorrection is just really cool to watch every offseason. <laughs> See, at some point, Brett Veach is going to stack so many people in these <laughs> positions that he's going to be like comfortable enough with uh-huh. that we're going to get to the point where he's like, all right making an overcorrection on punter this year like (laughs) you know we're gonna be so far down the chart that he's gonna be having to throw assets in a position that we're all going all right all right brett okay Mm -hmm. we we get it buddy yeah yep but it's all house money he's just certain he's throwing it in the he's literally throwing it around the casino yeah exactly all right wes says outside of melvin ingram who are some vet defensive linemen you wouldn't mind signing um i like akeem hicks a lot. I I think Josh same throwing one. his hands yep. up there. Yeah, same. I think he'd make a lot of sense in this defensive line. There's just a lot of guys that I think Hicks is probably the one with the most weight now that Rasheem Green has, has signed. He would have been another guy that I would have been very happy with. I think you mm-hmm. can find a lot of depth pieces. A lot of guys that, you know, guys have been floating around the league for a little bit. Let, Let's call them the Allen Baileys of the league, mm. guys that are going to show up and do their job really well, and it's going to be more of a rotational backup guys. You know, they've done that with guys like Alex Okafor the past couple of years. I think there are guys like that that are still to be had. I just, I, I think we'll see those maybe a little closer to training camp as they start to sort some of this stuff out. Do you have anybody else, say, Josh? That's that's exactly who I wanted to. I'm curious to see what he would command in a contract because mm-hmm. I, I mean seems like they are a little bit money uh aware at least this year mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. if that was on purpose or what or what the plan <laughs> was there but uh, i would love having the hicks hicks on this line i mean he's just a disruptor it seems and mm-hmm. he does i mean health might be a concern age is obviously a concern you just keep rotating dudes in there get him in there in the pass rush deal, into it. Yeah. yeah he's he should be oh. ring chasing at this point he's on he's you on that so. yeah <laughs> yeah i would love to have akeem hicks for sure all right, Grayson Jasper say again, if you could swap one of our picks with someone else that was on the board, who would it be? And he says not including the Brian Cook pick. I think that's more of a Maddie or a Kent thing there, trying to get ahead of it. <laughs> you know, try trying to take out because you know they, they mentioned that maybe not they're they're fine with him. Maybe not their most favorite pick. All right, Josh, who you got here? Who's the guy that you would have taken instead? So. I'm going to kind of Maddie answer this a little bit. Oh, of course you are. <laughs> so he did specify swap one of our picks with somebody on the board. I'm mm-hmm. going to have a little fun with the Casey and draft guide here. Okay. So we're going to use the trade chart and we're going to take all three of those seventh round picks and we're yeah. going to move up to 194 to the New Orleans Saints. We're going to give them all three of them and they're going to say, yes, please. Can I have another? Because they only had six total picks. Uh-huh. Uh, so they're going to want to churn that bottom of the roster. I think it's all adding up. And we're going to take, with pick 194, complete homer pick by this Mizzou guy. But I, I know want exactly Tyler where you're Beatty. going. <laughs> I need Tyler Beatty. I need him on this roster like I needed air. He went to Baltimore. It sucks. I think he gets buried in that depth chart. It's just a mess to play with Lamar Jackson as a running back in general. 
but I would have loved to have Tyler Beatty on this offense. I mean, I I knew exactly where you were going. As soon as you started down that path, I knew exactly <laughs> where you were going. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't hate that. I, and I think the Chiefs don't either. They brought a yeah. lot of running backs in right now. If I had to swap one, and I'm just looking value here a little bit, I love Joshua Williams, and I don't mm-hmm. actually want to swap Joshua Williams out. But you would not have to twist my arm very hard to add wide receiver Khalil Shakir to this team, not just because I think he fits in this offense, and I know that they've got a couple guys like that that they're probably going to have on the roster, but a younger body, you want to put the ball in his hands and let him work. Like I'd love to have him. Also, he went to Buffalo, where I think they're going to use him really well as well. It did, just kind of kills two birds with one stone by by taking Khalil, Khalil Shakir there. But mm-hmm. I'm also perfectly happy with Joshua Williams, one of my favorite guys in the draft. So I, yeah. I'm completely good with that one. It was that All was right. the one that was the one I was looking at was Joshua Williams as well. And speaking of running backs, that went to a contender. Yeah, I didn't realize till just a little while ago that Isaiah Spiller went to the Chargers. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's not great. That's that's great, a little Bob. bit scary too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like the, between the Ravens and the Chargers and you know the the, the Bills, they all had really yep. good drafts. It's like, would you go just away? Just knock it off. <laughs> Yeah, just like, knock it off. Knock Why it can't off. any of these NFC teams do anything? Literally anything. I, literally any. Actually, I, I think the Philadelphia Eagles had a really good draft. But other too. than them, nobody else. Nobody. <laughs> um, Trent Millsap. On the lab a couple of weeks ago, the guys made predictions on which Chiefs wide receivers would lead the team in catches, yards, and touchdowns while also factoring in a potential rookie at the time. Now that we have a name to that rookie – do our predictions change at all? And Josh, you didn't give predictions, so let's start with yours. You know, let, let's start with who you think is going to lead the team in catches, yards, and touchdowns. Now we get to include Sky Moore and Justin Ross if you want to at this point. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was pretty in line with what you guys were saying. I think Juju is the receptions leader. I think uh, he's got that pretty close to locked up if he's healthy yeah. the whole time. Uh, touchdowns probably the same. I would say that's probably in. I think it's going to be a very more balanced offense. So that could be seven touchdowns for a wide receiver, mm-hmm. and that would be a great year for a wide receiver for the Chiefs. I think so. I think Juju's got both catches and touchdowns. Yardage could go. I think you guys talked about Valdez Scantlin potentially mm-hmm. having the potential to lead in reception yards. I could totally see that. I could totally see McColl doing it. And that's kind of where I thought Sky Moore has the best chance is his reception yards because um, I think he's going to get plenty of receptions, but he is just dependable. So I think that mm-hmm. Patrick's going to eventually fall in love with passing him the ball, and uh, yardage is probably the the most uh, possible for him. But I still think uh, it's probably Juju all the way across the board for me. Yeah, I and I think we suggested that maybe an X receiver might slip in there with like touchdowns. Like yep. I think we even mentioned George Pickens might slip in mm-hmm. there. Just I don't think Sky Moore is going to slip in there with touchdowns. But you could you could easily sell me on in the Tyreek Hill role, running those go balls, running those deep overs and things like that. Like he's not going to command the same level of attention that Tyreek did. So those shots are going to be a little more open, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a little more often like they were in 2018. And again, obviously he's not Tyreek Hill and that we've putting that expectation on him, but I do think they're going to run some of the same routes. So I, I can see him getting open. I can see Patrick Mahomes gelling with him early enough to where they start putting yards on the board before teams have to go, ah, oh, crap. We got to, <laughs> we still got to defend this. We still got to do the same damn thing. And they just did it with a rookie. You know, I, I could, do you guys that. remember how to play cover two? We've been, yeah, exactly. we've been loading up the box and yeah. You guys remember cover two? You guys remember how to do that? Okay. Oh, let's go but, back to that. But damn it. Now they got Juju and, and mm-hmm. Valdez Scantling. And now it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to, I mean, I can see that still being the case. So, I can actually see Sky Moore getting off to a really hot start just because teams may look at the offense a little bit and go, eh, let's, let's try and take away Juju, Valdez, Gantling, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey, and let these other guys beat them. And I think mm-hmm. Sky's perfectly capable of that. So, all right. Adam Elmore, Chiefs defense gave up the second worst yards per carry last season. Do they ha- 
have a chance at being sneaky good against the run this year based on this draft. Top 10 even was a question. And then relatedly, how much does having an awful run defense affect stats like team sacks? Can't get sacks when teams are constantly running for first downs. And then he says, I'm sure it was a talent issue last year, but still curious. Josh, what are your <laughs> thoughts on this? I've got plenty. I, I will follow yeah. up with anything, but what are your thoughts on this? I mean, my, 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 I'm going to say no, no way top 10 against the run. <laughs> no way on that. Uh, I don't, I mean, this is largely the same group outside of the, mm-hmm. the new draft pick. So you're largely basing it off of a Karloftis and Chanel edition and, and a Nick Bolton step forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that's very possible, but that seems to be the best bet. Top 10 might be stretched a little bit, but uh, I, I would be pleasantly surprised if it was a top 10 brushing defense. I'm tired of seeing, seeing him get gashed on first and second down and being mm-hmm. completely open to play group playbook on third and fourth down opposing offenses so yeah. give me top 10 defense i'm into it yeah that that i i would love it i again don't expect it steve spagnolo cares less about defending the run than you think he does yes mm-hmm. he does care about stopping it but he is more than happy to give it away he will go to that dime defense at the drop of a hat we do see a lot of stuff you know when the chiefs are up big we see him play in the dime for essentially a whole quarter. And he's saying to whoever the guys that are in the dime saying, Hey, guess what? You're going to be playing against the run a little bit. And maybe teams are running for, you know, six, seven yards a clip. Spagnuolo doesn't care. Doesn't care because it doesn't matter. Clock's ticking. Who cares? So mm-hmm. uh, there are going to be scenarios like that, that are going to just fairly easily prevent them from going top 10, but they weren't good when the game was close either. It really stopped in the run. I do think that the intensity level is going to be significantly different. You can convince me that this team will come out in their base defense with a little more fire, fly around a lot. Leo is going to fly around. I don't think that there's any way that you can stop him. And I think that George will be largely the same way. So I think you're going to see them make a lot of, you know, tackles for loss, make a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage, much like Bolton, much like Gay. I also think that you're going to see some slip-ups, you know, as they're learning mm-hmm. the scheme. It'll happen. They're rookies. So I don't think they'll be top 15. I can see them being markedly improved, though. It has not been particularly good the past two years, but I know we've all seen the missed tackles. We've all seen the opportunities to bring guys down behind the line of scrimmage that weren't executed by a litany of players, I think that we're going to see that improve this season based on the guys that they brought in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. And then regarding the, the sacks part of it, yeah. No, Josh alluded to it right there. If it's third and four, you still got to play the run. If it's yeah. if it's third and nine, you don't. You get to bring in the dime. You get to pin your ears back. Your defensive line is playing much more aggressively going after the quarterback. So, yeah, it does matter in sacks a lot. Unless you're playing Josh Allen or Ryan Tannehill and now, see, that's running quarterback draws for third and nine. <laughs> that's that, I know. At that point, again – Put Leo on the field and say, yes. "Spy the man," and just go kill. Have him take just his go head get off. him. Yeah, just go <laughs> get him. All right, DSM Derek says most likely UDFA to make the team. I'll let you go first. I mean, it's it's got to be Justin Ross is the the 
I, guess I think the, that's the odds on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it just, he was the odds on chalk favorite of being the guy to go get the most upside. I mean, where, where did you guys have him? If he was like completely healthy and clear, he was completely healthy. We had a third round grade on him. Yeah. And there yeah. were some people like our pal, Nate ties at the athletic that had an early second on him, even with the 2021 tape. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's gotta be the odds on favorite. So that's, I think that's with, with this many rookies, it's going to be a hell of a, hell of an OTA in rookie. Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> I, I am, I am juiced for it. I'm going to uh-huh. go with Mike Rose, the linebacker. Yep. I think he's got a shot just because he brings something a little bit different to the table than a lot of the guys they've got. And I don't think that that spot is as locked down as we want it to be with the amount of assets that they've thrown at it in recent years. But, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think Mike Rose is a very smart guy. I thought he should have been drafted. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Jerrion Ely, the running back. He also, I think, has a chance to impress. Like He might be one of those guys that I don't know if he'll be on the team week one, but he, I bet you he's like a practice squad dude. And then at some point this season, all of a sudden we're like, well, th- look, they just had another guy that came along and Eric mm-hmm. Bieniemy found another running back he loves and can play in the nfl so the, those are the other guys I think, but I think those are the three big ones right there yeah yeah um how does the selection of a short wide receiver alter the recent narrative about the chiefs shifting towards larger more physical receivers um personally i don't think it does um i'm completely on board with what sky Moore brings because it is similar to what they had had in Tyreek Hill. That doesn't mean that they're not going to still focus on these larger, more physical bodies, not just on the offense, but also on the defense. Justin Ross is a larger, more physical dude as well. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster are more physical than anybody that the Chiefs had at wide receiver last year. So there's clearly still a focus even if it is Sky Moore, I know that people are going to look at it and go, oh, they passed on George Pickens. They passed on Alex Pierce, two guys that are very physical when they traded back for Sky Moore. I I think that they clearly believe that they can get something physical out of the guys that they have on the roster and now with Justin Ross. And at that point, they're just looking at it and going, hey, we're fine with trading back because not only we're going to get a receiver that we like, we have a plan for whoever, whichever one of those guys falls to it. I could see them saying, if it is Alex Pierce, hey, guess what? We got our physical guy that can, you know, run verticals. If it's Sky Moore, we've got a guy that's going to route everybody up and haul everything in. Like, you got a plan for either one. Yep. And it's, it's, to me, it's all about being less predictable. And it seems like you, you overcorrect and load too much up on big guys. Obviously, they're not going to beat you over the top very much. It's more about possession and underneath stuff. Mm-hmm. So it being less predictable is never a bad thing on offense. All right. Robbie says, my wife and I played the football character drinking game during your draft shows. We are now deceased. <laughs> my question is, <laughs> what is football character? Robbie, I get it, buddy. Um, the, I Listen, Brett Veach did this to us. When you pick that many guys that the number one thing that they that they bring to the table is football care. I mean, we we were talking about it on defense. Like you want guys that don't quit, the relentlessness, you know, the the no not giving up. You want Melvin Ingram in, you know, it, forcing a fumble to save, you know, the Chiefs seeding in the playoffs there at the end of the season. You want guys, Nick Bolton, when they were getting beaten badly by the Bills, still flying around and showing it's like the these guys not that those other guys aren't wired that way at times but we've seen a little too often in the past couple years that they tend to backslide into stuff and maybe it's just kind of it it could just simply be hey we got Patrick Mahomes on the other side so you know we we know he's going to come to the table and he's going to show up they needed more of it and so I think that they made I don't think they made a concerted effort to go out and get guys that are going to play through the echo of the whistle. And that's, I think that's what football character is. <laughs> I had it in my head, like grit and to, to tie it back it to, to, yes. to Royals. It's like the Chris gets only way more talented type of thing, but yeah, grit. <laughs> you're, you're, you're wanting to work hard every day. You never stop. You put your foot on throats. You do not let up. I love it. Yeah. 
Yeah, they needed it. I, they needed some I'll buy into it. the term. I don't know about the the whole like it sounds like like BS largely no, as well. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, so. <laughs> it, it definitely does. It's it's a fun thing to say right now, and it's a fun thing to say when you know people are playing drinking games on the other end, Robbie. Yep. <laughs> uh, Mike Denny, now that we made the picks, what type of year one results make this draft a success? Josh, wh- what do you think makes this draft a success? Um, I, I it, You kind of hinted it a little bit out there, and it kind of goes back to that football character, is I want a, an identity established with this guy, with this group. With this group and last year's group, it feels like this is the time when it's kind of the changing of the guard. It went from Bob Sutton's foolishness to Frank Clark and the Honey Badger kind of chip on the shoulder uh, mm-hmm. football character, uh, trying to instill a culture in that defense, a chip on the chip on the shoulder type of thing. And this group seems absolutely built to be that new identity. So if they can establish themselves as the new identity by being successful, there's going to be growing pains, but showing some kind of new identity punch you in the mouth and and make them apologize for making you expend the energy for punching them in the mouth that's the kind of identity i want from this defense and that's what i think constitutes a good rookie class and i think you're going to get that i it may not be as flashy it may not be as as splashy or impactful in certain ways but i think overall you're going to see a lot of that and yes i i agree i think that that's what it's going to take for these guys to be a successful class because if you can get those types of returns from you know not just McDuffie and Karloftis but Cook one of your you know Cook and Chanel and then one of the corners one of the pieces in the secondary that you drafted in round seven like that's uh, that is an absolute slam dunk best draft that Brett Beach has ever had followed up you know following up the previous best draft that he'd ever had. (laughs) Then all of a sudden we get to stand around and go, okay, we've got a good foundation. You can build off of this. There's a lot of youth. The core got reset. You're Mm -hmm. ready to move forward with this group of people. Next, next off season, you got a lot of picks and you got a lot of money. Like all of a sudden you Mm -hmm. can build towards something else, knowing that you've got the right pieces in house, the right mentality. Like you said, the right identity, because yeah, too often that defense did not have the identity that we kind of expected out of them. Yep. All right. Nick deal. I love the influx and in talent with the secondary, but how worried are you about the early growing pains? We saw it last year with Bolton. who struggled to start with before seemingly clicking in the back end of the season. We've also lost Tyron Matthew and saw how confused that unit looked without him at points. That is an understatement. How big of an ask is it for Justin Reed and these drafted guys to perform early on to give the complexities of Spags's scheme. All right, I will start with this. I think that we're going to see a lot less of what they did with Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew changed stuff on the fly, on the field. When he was on the field, it was his best attribute for the Chiefs last year, unequivocally. Like, And you saw it in the Bills game. All of a sudden, everything changed. Nobody knew what to do, all of that. It's because Tyron's out there on the field. It's not that Steve Spagnuolo's not coaching it. But when you have a talent like Tyron that can get out there, you know, read the bunch, read the route distributions, know immediately what it is, you get above and beyond what a coach can bring. I think we're going to see a lot more instilled scheme. I think you're going to see a lot more, you know, traditional type stuff. Like I'm not me as a defensive guy isn't going to be watching this and going, what the hell kind of coverage did they just run? And and it's because, you know, it's because Tyron's moving dudes around and, you know, changing the rules and everything like that to, to help cover everything up. And it works great. I think we're going to see a lot more, uh, not traditional coverages because Spagnuolo is anything but traditional, but I think you're going to see a lot more scheme type stuff where everybody is on the same page, where everybody's running the same coverages. Everything is happening predetermined for Spagnuolo you may see some quarterbacks take advantage of that a few more times this season but I also think that you're going to see a more um more symbiotic dome than we think that we might see after losing Tyron Matthew because of all those guys and because the shift in the approach yep I and do we think Justin Reed is the type to be able to bring a little bit of that to the table or is he more like your yeah, a, a little. And Trip McDuffie is as well. Uh, yeah. And by all accounts, Joshua Williams' football IQ is very, very high, you know, despite being at a smaller school. So I mm-hmm. think that there's a lot of those guys. Lonnie Johnson, uh, listen, yeah. you, 
the Houston Texans did that man no favors. I'm not trying to excuse anything. He also did not do himself many favors either, but he played in so many schemes and he played in four different positions for that defense. He's got a lot of experience reading route distributions from a lot of different yeah. areas of the field. So you could convince me that the the overall football I, I don't I don't I hate to say the overall football IQ because that makes it sound like I don't think that Charveris had it or any those guys had it right. too but you know I think the overall football you know IQ of that group is just going to go up a little bit more maybe you can see some more of that just kind of passive switching maybe than the active yeah. communication that it took before and I mean the fact that they have that built-in chemistry is almost a novelty with this entirely new group so I think that, that was indeed not nothing um, yeah. depending on what you're getting and what you're planning on getting from Lonnie Johnson. But, I mean, Reed did tweet at him. What they he called him a devil twins or something like that? Uh, yeah, uh, the, yeah, the evil twins. The evil, evil twins. twins. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, having that is going to be invaluable just to have that in the room with the group and mm-hmm. being able to provide some kind of uh, familiarity uh, to Justin Reed in the new room and being that new guy to step forward. I, I, I love that move. Me too. Me too, yeah. especially for a conditional seventh. There's no risk. Yeah. yeah, none. All right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Newton Hawk and and Keith McLean asked, asked a similar question here, but basically, which draft pick in rounds three through seven have the potential to make the biggest impact on the 53? Josh, I'm going to let you go first here. I This is all, I mean, this is also kind of obvious to me, I think, but Chanel allowing Gay to be the will, Bolton to be the Mike, and then he's taking over the Sam in theory. Uh, makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, with those roles kind of predetermined set, they can focus on them and then learn them front to back and then rotate and figure out where they need to go. But it adds the pass rusher from the backers group, which is mm-hmm. kind of been missing, especially with without Willie Gay kind of, A, knowing what to do and also dealing with injuries too. Um, but having that blitz from the backer core is going to be a difference maker as well. Yeah, definitely. Like that that's the easy one for me as well, I think. And I think he's I mean, you heard him. He's slotting in day one. He's the same. Mm-hmm. Just no question asked. He's the same. I'm gonna say Darian Kennard. Um, I yeah. think he's got every opportunity to come in and play right tackle for this team. You heard Brett Veach say it in his call. He said we had to address one more position and it was right tackle. He said that to Darian Kennard, and it was just like, oh well. That tells us what we need to know right there. You know, there were some questions about, you know, his movement skill and whether or not he'd play on the outside or whether he'd stay on the inside. Well, there you go. They're obviously mm-hmm. not worried about the movement skill on the outside. He's got the requisite arm length. He is nasty. Him and Trey Smith together come. Oh, it, it, we're gonna get we're gonna get to like week three, and he's gonna be Chiefs fans' favorite player ever, just because those two going out there, uh, you know, with each other, just gonna be blowing open holes and putting guys in the dirt. I I really think that he's got a chance to be a a major impact player, and that doesn't necessarily mean that Lucas Niang doesn't have a role. Lucas Niang right. as a swing tackle is an awesome role for this team. If he if Darian Kennard were to beat him out. I, I also think it's very funny now. I, next year, just pay attention to who Duke Miniweather works with and Jeff Schwartz on the big boys club because we're we're now three in the past two years coming out coming out of that group. And I think that tells you the kind of regard that they have for for Big Duke and what he does over there. Do you think All right. do you yeah. think Kennard's family and friends have a picture of him smiling? Um he just looks, maybe he when looks he was maybe when pissed. he was little, maybe when maybe, he was yeah. little, <laughs> yep. maybe no, it he, just he just sounds pissed every time he talks. He just like so he plays pissed. He is pissed. Yeah. He is pissed embodied. I mean, yeah, he he reminds me of Ivan Drago. Not not yes, not, it just it just in demeanor, not in uh-huh. anything else. Just like I am here to do business. I am here to break you in half. I must break. And that's. I, I must break you. 
yeah, they, he's just here to handle business, and that's it. And I love it. And I think that Andy Reid loves it too. Mm-hmm. All right, Bruce in the fort. I love this question. It ties in with you talking about Leo Chanel. Blitz rate last year versus blitz rate this year. This is this is very, very, very interesting because the Kansas City Chiefs had a very high blitz rate last year. And it was definitely because Spagnuolo went, four-man rush ain't getting it done. I got to get pressure. I got to bring the heat. I got to keep doing it. I think we all look at it and we go, well, it's largely the same four-man rush. I mean, obviously they added Karloftis. We hope that Frank Clark is healthier. That'll take some heat off of, you know, Chris Jones a little bit. So maybe it just kind of passively improves just through some stuff there. But I think there is a very good chance the types of players that they added, I think the blitz rate might go up this year. And that's, it's terrifying and exciting for me because <laughs> I, some, some of these dudes on it, I mean, they got some corners that maybe could play on an island this year too, mm-hmm. that they could trust a little bit more. So I could see that too. But I, man, if Spagnuolo just decides to go full wink Martindale this year and just say, screw it, we're blitzing all the time. I don't know that I hate it. Yeah. I, I I get amped when I see like a Willie Gay unblocked headed mm-hmm. for the quarterback. I get so amped. And I saw too many times last year that happen with Ben Neiman and Daniel Sorensen, and they get absolutely whiff on the quarterback. Uh-huh. So they got dudes that are ready to put asses on the ground, and I cannot wait to see those plays now. Cannot wait. Yeah. So give me give yeah. me all the blitzes. Every single one of them. Spags, please. Josh wants a 50% blitz rate. Let's Just go. Higher. Give me all of them. I don't care. Higher. Give me engage eight every play. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Just DRK says, could the Chiefs explore more 3-3-5 looks with the addition of Karloftis, Cook, and Chanel? That's an interesting thing to kind of think about a little bit. The 3-3-5 tends to have a little more a a little lighter defensive linemen and you are also asking a lot of your offensive or of your outside linebackers in that scheme it can look like a three four when a safety rolls down in the box which then you're asking a guy like brian cook justin reed Juan thornhill to play the mike linebacker role when he rolls down there i could see it get utilized very sparingly in certain situations but i think that this team especially on the defensive line is built a little heavier than a traditional 335 front looks and so i think from that regard you're not asking i don't know you you tend to have those guys be more slashers more penetrators more lighter guys that are trying to be disruptive because in a three-three-five, a lot of times it's just a three-man rush, and you're and you're kind of dropping into some zones. You're dropping eight into coverage, and so with that in mind, you want guys that can win in a three-man rush. I don't know that any of us are excited about the four-man rush. So you're taking another <laughs> dude away from that, and you're lining Chris Jones up over the nose. I mean, they're going to win sometimes, but I, I don't know that that's the best way to do it. But I am intrigued by it. So yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like one of those things where you say it out loud, Tess. So when they inevitably bring in Akeem Hicks, do you want to take him off the field in an pa- obvious passing down situation in order yeah. to bring Cook on to uh, to cover more? So it doesn't necessarily pass the uh, the audible test to me a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Steve Gray, can you explain why the Chiefs were willing to trade back from 50, even if they had a couple wide receivers there with similar grades? Stylistically, they were all very different from each other. We kind of talked about this earlier. I forgot this question was down here. Such a high investment. Wouldn't you want to pick the type of receiver that you think fits best? I love the end result. Just not sure I understand the process. Josh, what are your thoughts on this? Specifically, the whole, it's a high investment. You want to get the guy that you really want in-house. I'm going to go with, and I'm going to hold my my theory tightly to keep me warm mm-hmm. at bed, in bed at night. I think Feach and Andy Reid played that board perfectly. They knew exactly what was going to happen behind them. They knew exactly where they needed to go. They, needed to, they knew exactly who they needed to call, and they did it because they knew Sky Moore was the guy they wanted in that, in that pick. They knew they could have it a little bit later. So that's what I'm going to tell myself. Yeah, I, mean, I understand I, the thought process completely. 
I I get it. I I really do understand that. And see, here's the thing: leading up to the draft, you know, we do the KCSN draft guide with Zach Hicks, who's you know writes about the Colts. Um, it was not a secret that the Colts loved Alex Pierce or Alec Pierce loved Alec Pierce. It was not a secret necessarily, by the way that Brett Veach talked about it, that maybe they weren't super interested in George Pickens by the way that he phrased, you know, the character concerns, the injury concerns, things like that. He made it very clear. And we talked about that plenty in the labs leading up to it. So realistically, if they're trading back and you know, the, the Patriots are trading up, they're trading back in that scenario. And they're going, you're taking a wide receiver. Who are you taking? They say, well, Tyquan Thornton, the Chiefs say, cool, we're not interested in him, but we know the other two receivers that are going to go between here and there, and we're completely fine with the guy that we were going to take, Sky Moore, being there so that we can get Darian Kennard. So I do think that, listen, Alec Pierce would have fit. George Pickens definitely would have fit. But I do think based on their board and based on what we had heard before the draft, yeah, I'm with you. I think that they really did look at this and go, you know what? That, that's our guy anyway. Let's try and trade back and get a fifth and see what sort of value we can catch in the fifth. And then they get mm-hmm. a starting right tackle potentially out of it. So it's yep. crazy. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> all right, Mike Denny, with a ton more athleticism all over the field and better corners in the secondary, do you think Spags will play more base defense to keep the murderer's row of linebackers on the field? That's very similar to the three-three-five question. Josh, do you have any, any thoughts about that or – I mean, I mean, a lot of largely what we've been talking about. That's what I want to see him. I want to see him yeah. in base defense because I love that seven man front. I, I just love mm-hmm. it. Um, and it's also, like I said, pretty tough to watch them just completely get gashed on first and second down. So to be able to, yeah. you know, leave that box full of seven, maybe eight when you're blitzing 66% of the time. Um, I, I look forward to those plays and not getting gashed in early downs way more so than dropping back to nickel and dime for three and a half quarters. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. All right. Uh Wes, where would you rank our weapons now in comparison with the league? This is this is actually a tough one. I've had some conversations with some people. I mean, I like the overall group. Uh obviously Travis Kelsey is one of one at tight end, but I don't know that the Chiefs have anybody that I would throw into the wide receiver one conversation right now. Like if I'm comparing most teams wide receiver ones, I would probably feel more comfortable with that than I would with anybody that the Chiefs would nominate. Now, wide receiver two and three, really, really high bar then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, like especially three, potentially four. You want to throw McCole Hardman in there? Yeah. Yeah, four, throw it in there. Like that's, that is a high ceiling for those positions, but that, that lack of true wide receiver one, and I get the whole spread the ball around and everything like that, but sometimes you just need a dude that can go out there and win, like just beat a dude you just yep. a jamar chase it's like hey you're covered we're doing everything right but it still doesn't matter they don't have a dude like that on this roster that's not named travis kelsey so in that regard i'm a little i'm a little shaky on ranking them too terribly high in the league yeah i think i've got them around number five as far mm. as the weapons go i like uh, it i think bills uh it's a sketchy run game, so we'll see how that goes. But they've been able right. to make shift, and I mean, you can kind of Josh Allen as a running back, anyways. So I think mm-hmm. they're True. in the discussion above them. Uh, Chargers, I love their weapons. Mentioned Spiller earlier, but that's I mean Eckler, Williams, uh, uh, missing him thick. Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen is yeah. That's those dudes are loaded. The Vikings, I love that trio. Of yeah. Dalvin Cook, Thielen, and Jefferson, and Herb Smith. If you could take a step forward, tight end. That's a that's a pretty good group. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say one more, and I'm gonna leave it at that. And the Raiders' weapons are very good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was really excited about them potentially trading Darren Waller. I really yep. wanted them to trade Darren Waller because Get that would have made. AFC. I know. And listen, it's still Derek Carr. Don't and yeah, I I am I'm higher on Derek Carr than a lot of people, but it is still Derek Carr. So yeah. I'm not not terribly worried about it. But man, damn it, 
Like, don't be that good. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. I mean, you get a hit on Hunter Rimfro, Lottie Da had a huge year. And then, oh, you I get know. wide receiver once. Okay. Of course. Right. Of course. All right. We got some Royals questions. Because I, I did put it in the Discord that, that we got here. So I'm going to lean on you for these. I, I uh-huh. have no, next to no Royals knowledge here. So Rugby Fox asks, which current Royals player would have the best NFL career and which current Chiefs player, other than Mahomes, would have the best MLB career? Hmm. Well, I accidentally missed the second part of the question, so I'm going to have to BS my way for a Improvise little bit to it. buy some time. Yeah. Uh, Best of the Royals with the best NFL career. Kent Swanson came on the podcast last week, talked a little drafts. He mentioned Bobby Witt Jr. Is, uh, he wants the Chiefs to draft him as a wide receiver. He's one of the fastest players in the league. He's got instincts for days. He knows how to play a pro game. So Bobby Witt Jr. I think is you know a really good wide receiver candidate, but that's a little bit too obvious. Hunter Dozier played football in Texas in high school. He was a quarterback, 6'4", 220. Looked really good in pads, I would bet. So I think Hunter Dozier would have an okay career. But the real wild card here, and maybe some people wouldn't know him because he's just newly a Royal, but Amir Garrett, he's a lefty out of the bullpen, 6'5", 240, and he talks that shit. I love him. He's got the (laughs) attitude. He will bark at you for days. He'll make you look stupid. And he played basketball. And we all know what happens to basketball players that can become football players is they get into the tight end room. So you give me a 6'5", 240 tight end with ups like Amir Garrett and likes to talk that shit, I'm going to go where Amir Garrett has the best NFL career out of that group. I mean, so. I mean, come on now. That's an Andy Reid player right there if we 100%. ever heard one. My yep. goodness. Oh. Um, I mean, Mahomes is obviously the best Chiefs player that would have the MLB career. He was uh, – yeah, he, he was he was right there. He has the, the genetics of baseball. Sure. Um. Yeah, I don't have a great answer for that. Let's I say think... – go ahead. I'll, I'll I'm going to say – I'm trying to think here. Give me left-handed Creed Humphrey just mashing dingers. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I think he just Mom... hits – I mean, just he goes up there, he pounds a hot dog, and then he just smashes fastballs for 480 feet. I don't know if he's out here pounding hot dogs. You see the, those, uh, oh, those yeah. pictures of him? Like, all yeah. my man looks slim and trim. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's barrel chested. I mean, I don't yep. think he's light by any means. I just think, I think Creed Humphrey's been working this offseason. Him and Trey Smith. Listen, Trey yeah. Smith is a, is a freak, but the two of them standing next to each other, it looks, Creed looks a lot different standing next yes, to him does. this year than he did last year. So, Good for him. Yep. All right. Kay Gumminger, does the MLB, why does the MLB make it difficult to follow their league? <laughs> what could they do to make it more interesting, even if the team you follow is ungood? I mean, the obvious answer, they got to get rid of the blackouts. Yeah. Got to. That's the dumbest thing of all time when it comes to sports. <laughs> and that includes fumbling into the end zone. Yes. To, to make your game inaccessible and unwatchable, to the fan base that you're at is ridiculous. I don't understand mm-hmm. it. But bad news is, is I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, so we got to think about some other ways. And I think they're doing that by trying to make changes that are improving, speeding up the game a little bit. Um, they need to get the Matty Lanes of the world to stop going out of their way to besmirch the name of baseball. They have to get that at least off the table because they got in the negativity. They're doing enough negative stuff on their own. They don't need the Maddie lanes uh, besmirching them just to, just to get under people's skin. So um, the other part is they need to make anyone able to share their videos online on social media. That's what oh, I God. mean. Basketball does it. Football does it. You can't, when something happens, does football, do it? NFL, does football do, do it? It's, it seems like today is, is, is a tough one. All of a sudden we've got some DMCA claims flying around, taking down some of football's oh. favorite Twitter analysts all of a sudden. Anyway, go ahead. That's I mean, that's, that's thing. what it is. That's how you grow yeah. the game. People are in mm-hmm. the social media. It's not going Correct. anywhere anytime soon. So and it's free advertisement. I mean, yes, you're not paying anybody to post awesome videos or funny videos or somebody doing something. I don't need any gimmicky BS. Just give me the give me the action. Give me the dingers. Give me the insane mm-hmm. frisbee sliders. Just give me the goods. And uh, they're trying to improve it. I think that's a great idea. But the other thing is the sport has never been more flush with young superstars. 
dudes that are 25, 26, 27 years old that are the face of the game moving forward. They needed to promote the hell out of those dudes. So that's kind of my three-step plan is shut Maddie Lanes up to make them accessible and to promote their superstars. I, I like that it's very targeted at Maddie. He will like that too. <laughs> I that, love that you, means he's doing that means he's he's feeling very good about himself. All right. Uh let's go with uh Casey from KC here. We'll continue with the Royals questions. The walkout left a bad taste in my mouth, too reminiscent of 1994, after which I walked away from fandom for nearly 18 years. What do the Royals and the MLB specifically need to do to regain the trust again? You talked about that a little bit. You know, obviously the lockout not playing that that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. It definitely did. What what do they need to do outside of some of the things that you mentioned there to try and kind of win some fans back a little bit? Free beer. Hey, okay. That's it. That's the best idea I have heard of any idea ever. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it's important to remember that the lockout was technically owners driven where the strike mm-hmm. in 94 was players driven, even though it was kind right. of a similar deal. They kind of showed, played their, forced their hands a little bit, but um, you know, honestly, like I said, they're trying to improve the game. They're trying to sweeten it, sweeten that taste up in their mouth a little bit. Um, trying to make it appeal to the newer generations of fans because they have the attention span of a goldfish. Obviously, the games are too slow, not enough action. Um, so they're trying to make, with this last collective bargaining agreement, they made some changes to kind of remedy some of that. Um, and they're implementing some of those changes in the minor league system with what Foros Farm Report kind of covers is they're kind of implementing some of those changes. And that pitch clock absolutely changes the pace of the game. It is crazy. I mean, you could say, oh, it takes 20 minutes off, big deal. It is a big deal in the middle of the game. Like the pitchers yeah. are going, the action's boom, boom, boom. There's no there's no structure, and the players don't really like that. The purists don't really like that. I like that. My goldfish intensity fan loves it. I love it. So I'm I'm into it. Universal DH thing is only going to make more sense. It, oh. it never made sense why the two leagues didn't play those same I, damn rules. It, it, it baffled me from when I was a young child. I did yeah. not understand it. It's still it's 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 enough that the ballparks are all different dimensions and, and right. shapes and stuff. <laughs> it's one thing, but the complete roster construction of one team over here it just it never made sense to me. But yeah. in the Royals in general, they just need to win games. I mean, mm-hmm. the twenty four to twenty sixteen runs when the contention windows were open, this t- the city, this fan base was in love with baseball. It it can happen again. They just need to win baseball games, and I think that they're committed to it. I just need some execution on it. Yeah. Okay. We got three more and we'll get out of here. Corey Peter seen a lot of well-liked players come and go, but for some reason, Matthew stings more probably because the Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. What players have had you the saddest when they left Josh? Got to be the same answer as yours. DJ. DJ. Yeah. DJ. DJ. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was, I, it pained me to to watch the the end of that like all-time favorite player of all mm-hmm. time like I, I loved watching him play i could gush about dj for a long time i really yep. i really 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 could you know so he really wishes he was still out there too like that's the other part of it like as painful as it was for us to watch like that man like when we're breaking down tape sometimes you could just kind of you you hear it in him you just <laughs> Both he and Mike are just, I just, I just want to get out there right now. You know, it, they, it's almost like they're having to restrain themselves. So yeah. It's, it's still got yeah. that fire in their belly. They just don't. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's tough. All right. Anthropogentric. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a tough one. Nailed uh, it. With the, with the newfound depth on the chiefs, who becomes a realistic trade candidate and what would you want to see in return? Josh. You got any um, ideas on this? The only thing that really I had to, was Andrew Wiley. Um, and yeah, oh, as yeah. like a Charvarius War, Parker Anger uh, deal from back in the day. I could see something like that as the most likely, I think. But, I mean, it's a it's a dart throw to be dealing from a position of depth. And as right. we've seen the last two or three years, offensive line, you can not really have enough depth in this on this team. So maybe right. that's not even an option at this point, but that's just where I went. 
I mentioned Derek Gore. I could see Derek Gore mm. getting traded at the deadline. I could see not only Derek Gore getting traded at the deadline. I could see DeAndre Baker, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know if teams are still interested in him, but he's at least come back and shown that he can be on the field and he can be out there and that he's recovered from that, obviously, that injury that he had. So I, mm. I don't know. It, like you said, you're, you're targeting positions of depth, and I think those are kind of the three I have the most depth right now. Mm. All right. Our final question, and obviously the most important one of the night. Oh, yeah. JL asks, how many Karloftis bowls do you think that you can eat in an hour? Before before I posit this to Josh, just so we know, the Karloftis bowl is double rice, triple steak, light cheese, no salsa, no sour cream, no liquid on it. It's just (laughs) rice, meat, and light cheese and a lot of it. Uh-huh. How many of those, Josh, do you think you can eat in an hour? First off, I need to I need to preface this with I love the light cheese edition. The light it's cheese. Just, yeah, just give me all the steak. <laughs> give me more rice, but just a, a light sprinkle. Just a light of a little sprinkle. A little sprinkle. Uh <laughs> I appreciate that in general. Um that bull legitimately scares my innards to the core i and an rip to my plumbing system if that was ever to happen but and this is that burrito that bowl is 12 year old josh kaiser's dream meal we used to have a salad bar in high school and uh if we didn't like anything we just go to the salad bar which basically just turned into me taking the shredded ham with the shredded cheese and then that was lunch so 12 year old josh would have been very happy with that burrito bowl but caution to the wind in one hour, I I gotta say two and a half bowls. Two and a half bowls. I think if 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 the pedal wow. was on the floor to the metal, I think I could go two and a half. My brother and I have had taco wars, and we both did like 24, 25 hard shell tacos in a city. Okay. So we got the stomachs for it, but the, the, the after the hard did, did they at least have like some lettuce and tomatoes yeah. and salsa and Ground okay. beef? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Okay, good. So you you had some some fiber. You had some flavor. Some jalapeno Tabasco sauce. Delicious, but I will not. I can eat put that away again. food. I can yeah. put away food. My my frame may not look it, but you can ask those guys, you know, who I've eaten with there. I can put away food. I'm going to say I could finish a quarter of that bowl before I was just it, it, it would feel like I was just <laughs> chewing nothing. Like, I, I don't think that I could execute it. I just don't at all. I mean, I appreciate the man. Like, hey, stick it to it. Do, do yeah. Eat what you like. But, man, that is a rough, rough bowl. So I hope he's just pounding fiber supplements. Just I <laughs> handfuls of, of fiber gummies. And he's just eating them like gummy bears. Because, did sweet you, Jesus. Did, did you see the behind-the-scenes video that they posted out or they put out today? <laughs> Oh no, it's it's great at redeeming the man. Yeah, after we dunked on his Chipotle order, we'll redeem him real quick and then we'll get out of here. But absolutely loved the way that he approached it. Uh, like he he was sitting there kind of in awe and he was talking to somebody that was with him. I don't know, part of his family or if it was his girlfriend or if it's an agent, I'm not sure. But standing there talking to somebody that he obviously knew very well, and he's just going, they 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 have another pass rusher on the other side, and they have Chris Jones, and I don't I'm not going to be double teamed anymore. Like it just the, he's going through the realization of, Oh my God, I'm not uh-huh. going to be throwing myself into these, into these dudes over and over and over again, getting double and triple teamed all game long. And yet still coming like, yeah, just to, just to kind of see that realization, you know, we, we tend to get a little jaded about the performance of some of these players and stuff like that, but to, to witness somebody coming into the league and thinking, Man, this is the perfect scenario for me because now I'm not gonna have to be the only guy throwing yep. myself at it. It yep. is pretty cool. So that was awesome. All right. That's gonna do it. Really appreciate Josh jumping on here. Go listen to Royals Farm Report. Tell people, tell the people about Royals Farm Report and what they oh, yeah. can expect over there. We've got uh, we've got Alex Duvall, myself, and Joel Penfield um doing all kinds of coverage on the Royals Farm system. So basically four teams that are not the Royals, but potential Royal players uh, down the line in the future. 
Uh, we like to you know keep an eye on them, let you know how they're doing, kind of give you some hot takeage on what we think their future might hold, which is ultimately very wrong most of the time. But uh, we have a good time doing it, and uh, I'm, I'm just pumped to be part of KCSN, and so are the other dudes. So go check us out. We have a good time talking Royals baseball. And, uh, yeah, also check out Joel does the One Royal Way, which follows mm-hmm. the big league club, does a great job with that, has a new co-host every week. I believe him and Alex are recording tonight as well. So look for that uh, tomorrow morning too. But yeah, I just couldn't be happier to be involved in doing Royals content for you guys, KCSN. We couldn't be happier to have the Royals content and not only just have it, but have it with you guys who do such a great job with it. So if you haven't checked them out, go check that out over there. We'll be back with the lab on Monday. Thank you so much for listening. If you are still going Go give us five stars on Apple, Spotify, click like, click subscribe, and all that normal stuff that we always tell you to do. Go go do all of that. We'll catch you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.